You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Toya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Thank you, Queen, for being with me this morning. Uh, thank you to all the truth seekers for tuning in. I'm pretty excited about today's show. Uh, I want to highlight our special guest, Queen Sheba, which I've been promoting all week. Um, she'll be on with us a little later in the show, so we won't be introducing her initially. But if you will, Latrice, say hello to all the truth seekers out there um, and tell people a little bit of your background before we get into this morning's discussion question. Sure. Good morning. Um, I'm thrilled to be on your show again. A little bit about my background, I am a diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging professional, and all of that means that I work with organizations to ensure that all of their employees are treated equitably and have an equitable access to opportunity. Um, I love what I do. I think that I was born to do this work, so I'm looking forward to engaging in this dialogue. No, absolutely. Glad to have you on. I think you are perfect for this morning's discussion question to let the cat out the bag. It's simply, uh, I don't know if we call it simply, I know you were ex- super excited about this morning's show, which is OMG, why did Little Nas X kiss a man at the BET Awards? OMG, why did Little Nas X kiss a man at the BET Awards? Obviously, that was what they call him, breaking the internet, um, this brother... I guess at the end of his performance on the BET Awards, which I did not see or whatever, but it was hard to see the, the in a sense, the reaction, which obviously led to this morning's show. However, before we go into the show, and we're going to take a little pause from my normal intro, uh, and we may get back to it before our first break, but I wanted to just point something out because of 
Um, this is also a hot button item, and some people might have thought we would have done this discussion, but I just wanted to um, address very briefly and get your thoughts on it as well, uh, Latrice, but just very briefly the releasing of Bill Cosby this week. Uh, as you know, Latrice, I try not to, in a sense, do the hot button item of the week, if you will. We try to make the Mental Dialogue talk show kind of a little place of solace for everything that's been going on all week. Uh, however, when we do touch it, the goal is that, you know, maybe we're saying something a little different than what's being said in the mainstream media. And I actually end up doing a pop-up show uh, this week about Bill Cosby's release from prison. Unfortunately, the show only recorded half. So I still put it up because I got the gist of what I was saying. So I'm not going to go over all of that. I will tell people out there listening, go to uh, the Mental Dialogue YouTube page and you can hear about 20 minutes of about a 40 minute pop-up show I wanted to do. But I wanted to address this this as a as a, what I could see, see as a bigger issue, referencing again, all the in a sense controversy surrounding the Bill Cosby's release. And so what I, again, I, I broke down some details, tried to clear up some of the narratives, some of them are false narratives, but ultimately the point of me even addressing it and doing a pop-up show again, wanting to say something that I didn't see in the mainstream media was this idea of unfortunately how divided we are over this Bill Cosby situation. You know, you and me, Latrice, we did a, a, a live show, in a sense, a live video show in reference to what was happening at the time of his conviction. So we pretty much did a deep dive. But what I wanted to ultimately point out and why I am addressing this before we get into this morning's show was, again, the divide that, in a sense, seems to be between black men and black women in general. Um, that we always talk about and from various viewpoints on this show from time to time, but specifically when it relates to Bill Cosby. And here's the narrative that um, I think has to be corrected in order for us and to offer each other a little grace. And that's ultimately what I'm asking for and why I am addressing it. Um, I don't think this Bill Cosby situation should be one that we're divided over. Uh, ultimately, I would love that we didn't give it as much attention as we've been giving it. Um, if I could make, wave a magic wand and have it my way, but obviously that's not how the internet works. And so obviously it's everywhere, uh, if, if you will. But here's again, the main reason about the divide. So ultimately, if I could just add this clarity and, and adding this clarity, I do want people that are listening not to be triggered or alarmed by me in a sense stating a fact as to try to determine which side of this issue I am, I'm, I'm on because ultimately I'm more concerned about us being at each other's throat for what I feel is no reason. So again, back through the clarity. So there is a narrative that is floating around, has been said the entire time where um, Bill Cosby in his disposition, the one that unfortunately, is, I mean, I shouldn't say unfortunately, but the disposition that to a degree led to him being released now because he wasn't afforded due process for a disposition that was supposed to stay closed. The public, we were never supposed to have access to it. But in that disposition, there's a narrative that he admitted to getting the drugs and raping women and the actual disposition, which I've read and shared on the show before, he they asked him, did he purchase drugs to have sex with women? His answer was yes. A lot of people have not looked into the disposition, but the very next question was, did you 
uh, ever give drugs to anyone unknowingly. At that point, his lawyer jumped in and told him he could not answer that question. On the pop-up show, I explained how disposition works. Having a legal studies background doesn't make me a lawyer, but just understand how that works. Again, won't do the details on that part here, but I go through that clarity because what I want to point out to everyone, and again, this is not caping for or against Bill Cosby. What it is is to realize that that statement, for example, Jill Scott who was a big advocate for Bill Cosby prior to the disposition, after she saw the disposition, her position was, I am sorry, I can no longer support this man, and it moved her to take that opinion, which is fine. Some people saw that and says, well, that's still not admitting it. Um, you know, Felicia Rashad came out on her, her support at the time, and once again at this time of the release, she came out at the time and said this is a concerted effort to take down this man's legacy. And so she took that statement of, yes, I bought the drugs to have sex with women. And here's the thing I pointed out on the pop-up show is keep in mind that Quaaludes, which was the drug of choice for some of these women who are suggesting this, not all of the women were in that exact scenario, but a lot of women from, the t- from that time offered that he would – you know, that there was a something put in the drink, if you will. But just keep in mind that quaaludes were used the way kids today use ecstasy. So some people could take them by choice to add to their sexual experience. Again, stating that does not say what's I'm not putting myself on a side. I'm pointing that out because some people could take that statement as he bought it for them to agree to take the pill together before having sex. And so some people have come to the conclusion that he's not guilty. My biggest point here is there are relatively somewhat two logical conclusions, and that's what we're not allowing one another to have. And because people have this concept that everybody knows he's a rapist, now black men and black women are at each other's throats saying, you're taking sides um, you know, for a rapist, or the other side is saying, you're taking sides and there's no evidence to prove that he's a rapist. And my point being is because there can be two different logical conclusions, we should not waste our time on a Bill Cosby being released trying to figure out whether our friends are in support of us or I've seen people go as far as to say, I'm, I'm you know, I'm unfriending all the people that side with Cosby or all the people who don't. And so, or we're doing it for some larger black, you know, for black community reasons, well, ultimately people can come to different conclusions, allow that grace. And therefore, Latrice, for example, if you and I were differing on this situation, if I understood that you rightfully could come to a different conclusion, then I, I don't have to be mad at you because you disagree with me thinking that you don't see it any other way. I hope that makes sense. I kind of belabored it a little longer than I wanted to, but I just thought it was necessary because we need to afford each other grace and not be at each other's throat, adding to the gender war all because of Bill Cosby when people could see it different ways. If people understand that, then there's no reason to be mad at each other. Does that make sense, Latrice? And then we're going to get into this morning show. It does. Total sense. Yeah, very necessary. I mean, at the end of the day, um, again, I kind of blew through the actual um, commercial uh, just to point out, um, ultimately, our mission here is to create this nationwide virtual neighborhood where African-Americans learn to trade goods, ideas, and services. While that is our mission, ultimately, we do these discussions in a sense to recreate 
and create culture again, if you will. And I think this discussion is very much that. I'm going to go ahead and go to the break and come back with this morning's discussion question. OMG, why did Little Nas X kiss a man at the BET Awards? We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. If you love black culture and black class, kings and queens, the Lisa Designs is presenting the fashion show of the year. The evening will be one to remember, featuring Atlanta's finest dancers, drummers, singers, poets, and last but not least, some of Atlanta's finest designers, including the Lisa Designs. Dinner, drinks, and after party will all take place at the beautiful Dawn Event Hall, located at 3201 Atlanta Industrial Parkway, Northwest Atlanta, on Sunday, July 11th at 4 p.m. Tickets and vendor booths are available on eventbrite.com. Search for the Sunrise Fashion Show or contact Delisa at 404-453-5865. Again, that's 404-453-5865. I promise you, you don't want to miss this show. What does it also mean that... We're here at BET Awards, and the culture loves you, and you represent something that had been shunned from the culture for so long, and you were the one who really kind of made a difference. You made a huge difference in how we look at LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm happy to be a part of this change. I know it's going to be a long, a long way to go, you know, uh, but we're here. We're clear. Get used to it. I just playing. Um, but, yeah, like, it's Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. I'm happy to be one of the stars that can help push this forward, you know, within the black community. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal because, it, you know, I see kids looking at you and saying, I love little, I love that guy. I love this. Oh, I love that outfit. Oh, it's cool. And I think that's a big change. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm really thankful to be that one who's helping bring that young 14-year-old hating himself you know, up in sphere, you know? Yeah, that makes a big difference. All right, your Thank performance you. tonight. Tell me about the performance real oh, quick. Performance? Yep. Um, performance, I can't give you much, but it's going to be the best one. No uh-huh. offense to all the other performers. That's what everybody said. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, OMG, why did Little Nas X Kiss a man at the BET Awards, as we just hear a cut, uh, I guess, of him on the red carpet, if you will, prior to the BET Awards this week, talking about, um, in a sense, him being, I guess, in a sense, an advocate, I would say, for the LGBTQ community, as well as, in a sense, foreshadowing, getting asked the question about his performance. And so, um, where Latrice just, you know, didn't get a chance to ask our normal start. So I'm going to start with that and let's dig into this morning's discussion. And we're going to open up the phone lines relatively early, um, if you will. But, you know, when I first said, hey, here's the discussion, you kind of, I kind of remember, I don't know if, if you kind of were like happy about this show, but I don't know what thought that was. So what was your first initial thought when you actually heard this is the show that we're doing? And then let's dig into some of what we heard uh, in that, in that cut, if you will. But go ahead, Queen. Um, I, I, when we, I, I guess I, I responded in the way that I did because um, there's this this um, disconnect in our community, I think, about sexual orientation, 
And to me, I think what bothers me most about this this disconnect is that we are a racialized people. We are a marginalized people. And how dare we marginalize someone else for who they choose to love? That was my initial thought. No, fair enough, fair enough. So when I listened to that cut, um, here's something that stood out you know, for me or whatever, because we actually had some dialogue on, you know, one of our other friends posts on, on Facebook or whatever. And again, just, mm-hmm. I think you're the perfect person in, in against to dig into this dialogue. And so again, fair thought by you, but as I listened to that video, I mean, as that cut, um, there's a couple of things that stood out to me and maybe I'm seeing it wrong. And again, I want, and as I, I did a video this morning, even saying, Hey, this is not going to be a show where we're yelling beliefs at each other. We're going to allow for, in a sense, ignorant questions, biased questions. We're going to have an honest dialogue. And so um, as I'm listening to that cut again, not watching, not one who watches the BET awards any longer, whatever. Um, been, I don't watch TV really, to be honest. Uh, but with that said, when I'm listening to that cut, um, it's what stood out to me was, in, in, in particular, in that interview, how before the award started on the red carpet, the interviewer is basically, in, in my opinion, kind of prompting, foreshadowing a little bit of what we see and say, hey, you've done some things, you've changed some things. And the thing that stood out to me the most, because this is always uh, my pushback, if you will, with, to a degree, the, if you will, the celebration of, uh, which I to be very different than the acceptance of, and I'm not saying I have this right, I'm just trying to have the dialogue honestly how I feel, and so to a degree the kiss on stage, just to put that out there, you know, our dialogue between you and I was, hey, that's a in a sense, a form of celebration, I don't think it has a lot to do with acceptance. Again, I make that distinction, not saying I'm right or wrong, that's just a distinction that I make. So for me, to have the interviewer, in a sense, prompting about that part of Little Nas's um, piece for being, in a sense, an artist on the show versus his music, to me is a little somewhat foreshadowing and saying, hey, what specifically about your performance? Oh, I can't share that with you yet. So to a degree, I can listen to that and hear it for the first time and be like, I don't know, that's something else going on versus this just being a natural occurrence or it just happened that he chose to kiss his male dancer at the end of his performance. I hope a lot of what I'm saying makes sense and fits in the context, but what are your thoughts on me listening to that cut and being a little concerned, like, hey, it looks like they're, they're prepping for what was about to happen, which, again, is not just being who you are and celebrating it, in my opinion. But go ahead, Queen. So to me, it doesn't matter. It is being who you are and celebrating you. He knows that he is, um, he, he's taken it up as his charge to affect change for the, the black LGBTQ plus community. And whether it was planned ahead of time or whether it was a spur of the moment thought, which he acted on, it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is is that he sees himself as a person who's going to bring about change so that people who are black or Caribbean or white or whatever they are who are struggling with sexual orientation because they're taught to hate who they are because they're taught that it's an abomination, he's saying he's essentially working on himself as he works to help others, because he's actually stated that he's working to overcome the hate that he was taught to feel about his sexual orientation. And so that, in a sense, for me, was simply him 
working on overcoming that hatred that was instilled in him about his sexual orientation. So to me, whether it was foreplanned or whether it was done for the moment, it doesn't matter. Now, I, I respect that perspective. Uh, let me, here's something else that he said that stood out to me. And so for me, um, when you say in the sense that it doesn't matter, uh, and we've had this dialogue, see, I get concerned about if it's planned, and again, it seems like it is, and I respect for you that it doesn't matter. Um, for me, if, if it's planned, then to me, we now have, in a sense, um, entertainment or television or whatever, in a sense, pushing something in 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 my opinion in an arena that does that what I would say is not necessary in this manner. So, for example, when he points out, which I think this is what you're pointing to, so when Little Nas X in answering points out that he's taken on this cause in a sense to help that 14-year-old who, in a sense, may be hating himself. And, and, and I am absolutely sensitive to what that reality is like, you know, although I've, I've been fortunate enough, that's not my experience, right? My experience is not, you know, in a sense, being told, hey, this is how I should be, but maybe going through the struggle of maybe what your orientation or what your gender might be. So, I, you know, that hasn't been my experience. However, I do see that 14-year-olds, if you will, um, at that age, 13, 14-year-olds, we do the community checkup, for example, once a month with a, um, with a um, mental health professional. And I recall just this past month, uh, Dr. Hill was just saying that around 13 is when, in a sense, children start to self-identify and to a degree um, um, but more so in personality, I'm not talking about specifically sexuality or gender, but just even in personality, they start trying to figure out who they are in a sense, try, attempting to, in a sense, break away just from what their parents have told them they should be. And so I say that to say that to a degree, a lot, most 14-year-olds are trying to figure out who they are in reference to what they've been told. And it could be, uh, you know, you, you, you may have come from an abusive you know, household. It's like all these various things that are real life problems for 14 year olds. And so I listen to him say, hey, for that 14 year old that may be hating himself, I don't see it as completely different than the 14 year old that's, um, you know, maybe, you know, heterosexual and trying to figure out, you know, with the peer pressure of friends having sex and should I have sex? And I'm just saying 14-year-olds go through a lot of these things. So I struggle with the need to highlight this for a 14-year-old on national TV. So that's a, just me being honest about I don't see the need or, as I'm trying to say, I hope I'm being consistent in saying that I see it as the same as any 14-year-old well, might um you know, might go through, and we do have, in a sense, causes throughout, the, you know, whether it's sexual abuse, all kind of things that we definitely need to talk about and support. I'm just trying to figure out why is entertainment, and specifically black entertainment, if you will, the one that's taken up that particular cause uh, from my perspective. Your thoughts, Queen? Well, why? so – I understand why black entertainment is taking up that perspective. And with regard to a 14-year-old seeing this, I recall being attracted to boys at 10, 12, 13. Not that I was acting on that, but I knew that 
I didn't understand what was going on, but I knew that when I was around boys, I would giggle more. You know, just the little silly things Mm -hmm. that you do when you begin to go down that, you know, when you begin to experience puberty. And so we, we get caught up in, like when we hear people say a preference or a lifestyle, it's not a choice. I didn't choose to be a heterosexual woman. When I developed and began to understand sexual orientation, I was attracted to men. I was not attracted to women in, to women in the least bit. So I'm not bisexual. I'm heterosexual. And sexual sexuality sits on a scale from asexual to heterosexual, and we don't understand that. And a 14-year-old is already dealing with who they're attracted to. But by seeing a person like Lil Nas X stand on stage and be who he is and stand in his truth, that may be just the thing that he needs to stand in his truth. We keep saying, we keep thinking that what we see on television is influencing it. And, 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 you know, one of the things that stood out when we first started is saying that we're pushing it. No, we're not pushing it. This is already happening. But for so long, black men and women who are part of the LGBTQ plus community have had to be closeted because of backlash. So he's busting that closet wide open. And I applaud him for that. So I, I so in a sense, being who he is and his truth, like for especially Hollywood, for example, Hollywood to a degree has been way more accepting, if you will, of in a, to a degree, the LGBT community than the rest of American society, and, and you know, to into your point, and particularly the Black community. And so, in a sense, being himself doesn't seem like an issue. I'm just trying to figure out, who, in a sense, the broadcast itself seems to be getting on board in a di- versus him just, in a sense, just being himself, whereas. The rec- another artist would have just been asked about their music, if you will, not the advocacy um, part. And at least, at least that's that's what I think. I could be wrong about that, but that's my thought. We have a caller as well, but I'll let you respond and then go to the caller. So I, I don't see a problem with asking about that advocacy because it's a well-known fact that in the black community it's disparaged, and so it is advocacy in a sense. It's advocacy that could potentially save a, a kid's life. There's the, I, I don't know the stats exactly, and I'll find them because I like to be data-driven, but there is a high percentage of children, teenagers, who attempt or actually succeed in committing suicide because they're struggling with their sexual orientation and what their parents and what others in their community might be telling them about it. As, when I started doing this work, I, I attended church regularly at that time, and I'm doing this work, and I know that when I go to work Monday, i got to help our Pride ERG work on their plans for the Pride for, for Pride Month, and I'm hearing a minister on, on the pulpit say it's an abomination. And now this was even before my, my daughter came out as, as a member of the LGBTQ plus community. This was way before that. Um, she was still a child. But it bothered me to hear a human being on a stage professing the love of Christ calling another human being an abomination. So when you hear that and you know that you're struggling with loving someone of the same gender and your parents take you to church and that's what you're subjected to, he absolutely should be advocating in that venue for change. Well, again, um, I'll just say, and I'll go to, to the caller. So, I'm not, again, I, to a degree, I'm not even tripping on that he's advocating it. 
there are plenty of artists that step on that red carpet that have things that they're passionate about. I'm just not used to the awards themselves asking them about their advocacy. And so I'm kind of coming from the, not, again, not an issue with little Nas himself. Clearly, you know, that's who he is. Be who you are. Again, I just think there's something else with the, in, in my opinion, when the entertainment itself leads and pushes that as Again, all of the artists have different things they advocate. Let's go to the caller. Okay. I'm sorry. Area code 404-374. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Okay. Um, my name is uh, Bobby Northern, and I'm calling from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And I have a few uh, thoughts, ideas. Uh, this, this morning's discussion is uh, – very intriguing, and um, so I first want to say thank you. Thank you for for listening, um, because I, I really feel like the purpose of dialogue is to understand. Uh, it's not not to win. It's not to you know uh, usurp or become um, uh, the winner or the last person standing or anything like that. It's really to understand deeper, in a more deep way. Uh, so, so I really think that, um, you know, I ought to out myself a little bit. Um, you know, Bobby Northern, myself, is, uh, you know, come from a very traditional background, um, kind of raised, I will say, uh, to foster a relationship with God um, and uh, from a Christian uh, tradition and so forth. So, so I definitely want to uh, lead with that. Um, one of the things that I think in this particular issue that uh, struck me from the comments that were made uh, was really just about um, what, what you said around asking him about his, um, you know, his mission and, and how he was trying to uh, essentially advocate uh, for a certain group of people. Um, and I really feel like in entertainment, it really is about money. It really is about reinventing uh, rebranding, re-energizing uh, that individual's brand. So whatever they can do to create a visceral reaction in people, to create a mm-hmm. um, a spark or have get people talking about uh, a certain artist or some sort of thing, that is their agenda. So the fact that you saw signs of it early, I think is really indicative of what they were trying to do. They were trying to incite us, uh, mm-hmm. and so in a sense, we're talking about it. <laughs> so, nah, so that, that is the, yeah, yeah, uh, and that's the method. And, and you know, my brother back in the day, he was one of the first Christian rappers, uh, you know, out there, and and uh, and so essentially, you know, they would ask him to do things to kind of get publicity and get people talking about them. So that's that's kind of what they do. That's their job. Uh, and so I I think in terms of advocating advocating um, in the black community, uh, I'm not sure, from my perspective, I'm not sure that it is, it goes that deeply. That I sense. think it is an exchange trying to rebrand and trying to reinitialize. Um, now, now, I really appreciate sorry, I'm sorry. 
No, no, you're fine. We're just up against the break. I mean, I'll, I'll keep you on after the break, too. I may bring you back after the break. We're up against the break, but I'll just tell you that what you just opened me to, whereas here I am saying, look, while they're doing this and I'm associating to maybe something deeper, it could be as simple, which makes sense because that's what marketing's always about, right? Like, I'm making it something deeper, whereas I hear your perspective and you're saying, hey, yeah, they're, maybe they're stirring it up a little bit. And of course, they understand it's going to create this visceral reaction. But at the end of the day, they're just after the dollars. And you, I think I hear you say, you, can you really blame them for that? And it's not attached to this deeper concern of trying to change our children or something to that effect. So uh, I love the perspective. And again, I may bring you back on after the break. But thank you for the call, Bobby. All right. All right. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. Are you trying to figure out your next income stream? Maybe get into cryptocurrency, real estate, or maybe even start your own business. If so, contact the KG Hire Company to receive a professional consultation or strategy session to provide you the advice you need to get a jump start on your new venture. If it's a new business, there's nothing like having a business consultant review your finances, strategy, or marketing. If it's real estate, the KG Hire Company specializes in evaluating deals for profitability and securing special financing for creative real estate acquisitions. If it's cryptocurrency, then look no further than the KG Hire Company to master the components of blockchain technology and investing into cryptocurrency serving atlanta since 2016 the kg hire company is an industry leader in customer experience and getting your money's worth contact them at kghire.com or 833-544-9288 again that's 833-544-9288 I'm probably the biggest advocate for monogamy. I want to get married in a church in Paris. I want to be married forever. I want to get married, like renew our vows every other year, that kind of stuff. Very Jackie Christie. For me, it's all about you choose to form an actual partnership with somebody for the long term. And so with that, that can mean several things, at least for myself. It's, it's all about who I'm with. Being gay is not who I am, it's a part of who I am. Um, I think that uh, in the black community, oftentimes we look at um, homosexuality as a man being less than a man. And I think there's a lot of stigmas that kind of surround that. Friend, no male is 100% masculine if you were. I am so sorry if you ever thought you needed to be that and then the only thing that is decimating anything about the black gay male is oh i don't know systemic inequality you know we're kind of being hunted by the police people need to just realize that people are people and they can do whatever they want you can be waving a a gay flag and not be gay at all you can be extra and not be gay Hello, look at Congress. A lot of people sort of pigeonhole us with this idea that we're always going to be like 
snappy and yes, queenie, which some of us are, and that's totally fine. Um, but this idea that uh, because we're gay, we are only feminine. Um, and to them, I have to say, one, what is feminine? What is masculine? You know, so for me, I sort of play with my gender performance on any given day. If I feel like wearing a heel, I'm going to wear a heel. If I feel like wearing Jordans or Tim's, I'm going to wear Jordans or Tim's. Gender and sexuality are two different things. I know it's... Welcome back to the Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, OMG, why did Little Nas X kiss a man at the BET Awards? My special guest co-host is Latrice Ross. I am now glad to bring on our special guest, Queen. Thank you, Queen, for being with us. Um, you may have something in the background. I think I'll uh, watch you live on the air. I don't know if you're um, moving or something in the background. Queen Sheba, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. We're glad to have you with us, Queen. Um, I've been promoting the fact that we were having you on, so if you will, um, say hello to the two seekers out there listening and give whatever background you like in reference to this morning's discussion, and we'll get into the cut that we just heard and continue this morning's dialogue. How? Uh, thank you for being, for being with us, Queen. Thank you so much for having me. I apologize. I was moving around. I'm doing my laundry. <laughs> Uh, because I'm hella busy and I have to sneak it in when I can, but I definitely would sit still for this conversation. My name is Queen Sheba, and I'm a spoken word artist, a professor, and the LGBTQIA family member and living in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm currently running for a seat on the Atlanta school board. So, um, you want me to comment now on No, no, yeah, we'll say, no okay, we'll, yeah, we can go okay. ahead and jump in. Like I say, yeah, glad okay. to have you on, Queen. But, yeah, okay. you can jump right in. I'm, I'm pretty sure you heard the cut, and that's kind of where, you know, I'm leading. Um, right before that, we had a great call uh, by Bobby here in yes. Atlanta, you know, just talking about his perspective on what, it, whereas I'm insinuating that there may be some type of agenda. He's like, you know, hey, man, they're just trying to make money. And I, I never heard it, thought of it that way. Again, kind of representing that side, but again, that cut said a whole lot more. So wherever you want to jump in, Queen, definitely glad to have you. And real quick, let me have you say hello to our co-host, Latrice, and y'all. And Latrice, say hello to Queen Sheba, and we are glad to have her as well. Hello, Queen Sheba. Good. Welcome. Thank you so much. I really love when you said that Little Nas X was busting the closet wide open. That was so important for so many listeners to hear because I do also agree with the caller that I don't think there was this huge conspiracy, bigger agenda for the BET Awards or for the music industry to capitalize off of Lil Nas X's performance. But I do agree that Lil Nas X probably was like, um, I, I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of being in the closet. He did. He even said in his after interview that he's celebrating two years of being out and being gay, officially gay is what he said. And I love that. And I love that um, he decided to bust the doors wide open. And I love that even through his nervousness, he said, you know what, this is who I am. And I'm tired of hiding, tired of putting it on the back burner. And I want everybody to know that struggling with their own identity, that it's okay to be who you are. So, um, yeah, I actually agree with both of them. I don't think there was. And the other thing, too, about the music industry, we always visualize it like it's this big machine, but, and it is, it is a big machine. It's definitely a big machine. It's definitely a big monster. However, remember that there are human beings running this machine. So whoever that 
put out the tweet in support of the BET Awards or that was working at the BET Awards that put out their tweet in support of Lil Nas X is a human being that obviously under whatever guys that guys went up their management um, thought that it was a perfect opportunity to support a gay rapper in such a heteronormative, masculine hip-hop society, which I loved, and I thought it was great. So whoever made that decision, kudos to them. No, it actually reminds me, and Latrice definitely want to get your thoughts, but as you speak to that and that tweet in particular, uh, Diddy himself, um, you know, obviously a lot of people follow uh, P. Diddy or Diddy or Love, as he, as he calls himself now, uh, but he put out a quote. And he, he calls himself, you know, Diddy changes his name every well, every five to seven, ten, ten years, <laughs> but he calls himself Love now. So, oh, okay. so, yeah, 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 love, yeah, just refer to him as love, like that's his name now. But you know, we know, so we're gonna use Diddy on the show. But anyway, with that said, he put out a a, a, a tweet in support, in big support, saying he thought it was excellent that um, Little Nas X did that. Yeah. I don't to try not to do too much on social media. I'm not a, necessarily a tweeter or a tw- Twitter follower, but I definitely, obviously, preparing for this show. So the heavy backlash within the community where people start insinuating, uh, Diddy needs to just come on out himself for pointing out that he's in support of it. Uh, so, Latrice, I'll let you start there, and I'm pretty sure you have some thoughts on that as well, Queen Sheba. But, uh, but yeah, Diddy said he was in support. I'm not surprised, typical in our community, a lot of people kind of backlash against Diddy and say, hey, he needs to come out and quit acting like, um, you know, that's not who he is as well. So that's kind of the backlash that I saw him receive. Not that Diddy gives a damn, but that is definitely something that I saw. Go ahead, Queen. So I'll just say that's common. If you are not, not out and you are an ally or advocate for LGBTQ plus rights, you get accused of being a part, being gay. I've been accused of that because I advocate. I've had people in my inbox. Are are you are you a lesbian? None of your business. Who? Me? Assume what you want. Oh. So, you know, what I say is this. This is a, this is a couple of, there are a couple of things. When you talk about the entertainment community, when we talk about money, when we talk about using that as a as a vehicle for advocacy. Whenever we not use entertainers and entertainment for advocacy. Mm. When we look at the Me Too movement, at every award show there was, there were women talking about Me Too. The past, the past year and a half since the death of George Floyd, those entertainers who are in support of black equity have been commenting. The award shows have been um, an ally, in a sense, to those. So why not influencers to influence perspectives about LGBTQ plus rights? So what if it is about making money at the end of the day? If it's also making change, what's the problem? No, nah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, just kind of hearing it, because now as I'm listening to you say that, and as well, but as I listen to Latrice kind of break down that perspective, what I'm realizing as someone admittedly who's a little, I'll say, over-concerned with, What's being pushed here? Why is it being advocated? Again, I can admit that's my position. But as I listen to you explain it that way, Latrice, what I'm thinking and hearing to myself is it's almost like, um, you know, you and I both were really avid researchers. Um, You probably even more so than myself. But one thing that I try to work on, for example, this is kind of an aside to make try to bring this full circle. But when I'm researching, I really, and you do the same thing, I really make an effort 
to go into the research without my bias. I just want to get the information and see it as is. And a lot of people are not familiar with confirmation bias. So you kind of find what you're looking for. I bring that example to say that because I'm always seeking, in a sense, is there a quote-unquote an agenda here, I'm seeing things as, yep, they're pushing it, whereas you're saying, yeah, it's, it's, it's a push that's no different than anything else, that entertainment and why, you know, Coke gets, um, you know, Michael Jordan to advertise because it works publicly for whatever you're for. And you're like, yeah, they're doing it, but not necessarily for a nefarious reason, but no different than they do all other marketing is what I hear you saying. And again, that's just me having to think about what you're saying. For the callers out there, if it's your first time calling, you do have to press one if you're trying to get in on this morning's discussion. Um, go ahead, Quincy. We've got about a minute and a half before we go to our next break. Um, any thoughts on just kind of what Latrice is saying? And again, I'm kind of being open to a perspective myself. I will admit that. Go ahead, Quincy. I, I'm actually more less concerned about the display of Lil Nas's Lil Nas X's sexuality on a television, BET, or in the music industry, as I am the nudity and profanity. So that's just my personal position. I think that um, I think there's a difference in expressing your sexuality through art and understanding that. He said in his after interview that he understood that he was helping so many young boys come to terms with their sexuality if they had been struggling or if their family didn't understand or like um, uh, like your co-host said, like if they were in church. So I I think that it is activism. I I think that um, without maybe even trying to, he just became a role model for so many young men who have it. And of course, if, even in Atlanta, as gay as people think Atlanta is, Atlanta is very conservative and still gives a mm-hmm. lot of flack to the LGBT community. True. So, um, I'm sorry? No, I said true. I was, I'm sorry. I was disagreeing. Go ahead, Queen. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no worries. And so, um, and so I think I'm more concerned about, um, you know, without saying who, with, with rappers that are are money shotting us all the time, that are nude all the time, that are they feel like they can't express themselves without the attachment of hypersexuality. And I don't think that's what Lil Nas X is doing at all. Uh, I, I have that same concern. Now, I, will, I do agree that, like you said, for him in particular as an artist, that I will give you that. I don't think he's necessarily doing it. Uh, but I, de- to a degree, um, I see, in a sense, all of the over-sexualization as an issue, especially when it comes to the next generation. And so I'm not a fan of that either. We are up against a break. For the callers that are listening, we're going to come to you coming out of this break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at MoneyMotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Oh, how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. 
What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. If there is a black gay agenda, I need to be CC'd on that email because I didn't get notification of it. It is utterly and completely ridiculous. I think that if people knew how foolish they looked when they said that, they would stop because it really makes me laugh. Why would I come up with a fucking agenda? Hmm, I think I want to, like, ruin all black families right now. I think I want to make my parents upset. I think I want to do all these things, and, like, that'll be what I do with my life. I don't think that black gay men are trying to destroy the black family. There's this fear that um, gay guys are going to come and basically fuck your husband behind your back. Well, newsflash, honey, if I'm fucking your husband behind your back, he was already gay. You had that issue to begin with from the get-go. The gay agenda is that gay people can walk down the street and hold hands and not get harassed and things can just be normal and we can coexist peacefully. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. Our special guest is Queen Sheba for this morning's discussion question, OMG, why did Little Nas X kiss a man at the BET Awards, as you hear a cut, speaking specifically to the gay agenda, if you will. We do have a color collar, couple callers I promise to get to, so we're going to go to the callers, and then we'll dig into that cut, maybe. Uh, area code four one six last three five eight six. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. You have a lot in the background. Just letting you know. Hey. Oh, thanks for having me. I may have to close the window. Um, I love this discussion. This discussion is so amazing. Uh, and my name is Leslie. I'm from Toronto, Canada. So what I'm wondering is, I keep hearing you use the word agenda. Um whether it's Little Nas' personal agenda or BET's agenda or Hollywood's agenda or whoever, the American government's agenda. Um, and I'm wondering, like, what you mean by agenda? Like, are you thinking, like, there's this, like, effort to, like, corrupt, you know, young black boys into being homosexual? Like, is, is that what you're thinking is the agenda? Okay, I'm glad. That's a great question. Let me, yeah, let me give you the perspective in this perfect segue after that um, actual cut because obviously we just brought that up to a degree in the cut. So, no, my thought isn't, and I, and I think a lot of people who, not, you know, obviously I can't speak for everybody, but I think there are others who, as you say, we throw out this word agenda. Um, let me, and let me even add this to it because it came directly from the cut. Um, if you're, there was one, one of the people on the cut that just said, um, you know, hey, if there's some type of agenda, you know, give me the, the, let me know about it because no, we don't care about doing that. So no, the thought isn't, in my opinion, and and my personal thought is that no, the thought isn't necessarily that there's an agenda that's going to turn boys gay. I know that's like like a lot of times people say it that way, as we just heard those in the cut kind of saying it that way. Here is the concern uh, when I say agenda. Again, maybe I'm wrong about it, but what, what my concern is, because I always think the answer is in the middle, not on the extremes. So my concern is um, I'm not a fan, and I kind of mentioned this prior to the break, I'm not a fan of, in a sense, the over-sexualization, over-sexualization 
I'm probably saying that word wrong, of our children, if you will. I mean, and what I, well, part of what I mean by that is um, all the additional exposure, obviously hard to avoid in the social media world, kind of has always becoming harder to avoid. Uh, but I, I'm not a fan of the mainstream media, in my opinion, in a sense, pushing what I what I'll say agenda, the agenda of, in a sense, having our children, in my opinion, understand and deal with, in a sense, their sexuality, in my opinion, before they naturally would. It's going to be an issue anyway. I'm not saying we can hold them in the, in a closet and they never see anything. That's not what I'm suggesting. Uh, it's just uh, figuring out your sexuality is difficult enough, whatever your orientation is. And I think as a, I don't have any children, but if I had children or whatever, I would avoid a lot of social media, a lot of TV, because in my opinion, we see too much sexualization in general and specific to the quote unquote gay agenda. The concern is not necessarily turning boys gay, if you will. The concern is more or less, um, the word that we always use is normalizing something in a sense, normalizing behavior. So, for example, why do we have to put this type of stuff on a, a cartoon, for example, just speaking honestly? Like, why is it on a cartoon? Those are children. They're going to deal with their sexuality anyway. So that's what I mean by why is it being presented at such a young age intentionally is what I mean. I hope that answers your question. But you're, go ahead, Queen. Yeah, it does answer my question. Um, you're concerned about it be, or men kissing each other, black men kissing each other, becoming normalized through the media and, and therefore everywhere. And like, can, can, I, can I say something? Can, can, can I say something just for a piece of clarity? So I have no problem yeah. with two men kissing each other. So I'm going to be very clear. Obviously, that was the topic of the show. So I understand okay. that. So let me just be real clear here. So what I'm what I'm talking about is, uh, in a sense, the 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 battle that you're gonna naturally go through as you get older with your sexuality, and exposing which again too much sex like just like um, Queen Sheba said the idea of I agree with her where hip hop is always attaching sex to everything like to me all of that is problematic for if I gotta bring my child up in this world getting exposed to any type of sex or sexuality too soon is a, is a difficult, difficult thing. And I think it just adds to an agenda. I'm talking about just the over-sexualization. I don't want to add that to the agenda for a four-year-old, if that makes sense. So not about men kissing being normalized. I don't have a problem with men kissing. I do want to make that clear, that, try to be clearer about that. Go ahead, Queen. I'm sorry. Okay. So, yeah. I, okay. So BET is geared towards, Young children, like um, the entertainment industry, the for age? the most part, is gonna definitely, especially hip hop, is a younger generation. So it is, for the most part, that's where they make their money. So to a degree, uh, hip hop's gonna target target a younger generation. To be fair, the award show is on later. As a parent, you can easily have your child in bed and not see this. So I'm just trying to be as fair as I can to it. But hip hop in general is just a relatively young, younger, you know, like rock and roll, whereas country might be considered an older genre, if you will, um, in the States, just to try to get some clarity. Go ahead, Queen. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I tried to put myself in the mind of like a 13-year-old, 14-year-old black boy, although I, 
I, you know, I'm a woman. I never actually experienced that, but I'm trying to, you know, understand that if if I were a, a 13 year old black boy and, and I was having um, sexual attractions to other boys, um, and I and I would have watched that BET award show and and see a black man kiss another black man, like um, I imagine, like. I, that would feel affirming to me. Well, fair enough. So, you know, I, I see it I see it as, as actually a good thing, as a helpful thing um, for for people who are already feeling those desires. I mean, if you're heterosexual, mm-hmm. you're heterosexual. Nothing's going to change that. But if you're bisexual or, or homosexual, even just a little bit, you know, seeing that on the BET Awards, would actually help you to feel like, wow, like uh, this is okay. I'm okay. It's okay. It's not this scary thing that has to be hidden, hidden and tucked away. Like we can see two men, black men kissing each other and like, it's okay. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Latrice, your thoughts? Well, I got to go to another caller, but thanks so much for your three cents this morning, um, Leslie. So, so what I have to say to that, Montoya, um, I agree with her completely. And when we really think about it, when we talk about, now I don't agree with the hypersexualization, but when we look at psychological stages, five to eight-year-olds, children should have a basic understanding that some people are heterosexual, some people are homosexual, and some people are bisexual. They should also have a, a basic understanding that there are multiple ways of multiple gender types of gender expression as well as understanding the basics of puberty by the time they reach eight. So often we are brought up in a puritanical, we're brought up, let me me finish this statement. We're brought up in such a puritanical way that we begin to shun these conversations until we're old, until they're older. When When we look at research, that's what research is telling us. If we want our children to be, to have a, a healthy understanding Okay. about their body, about their gender, and about their sexual orientation. But we don't do that, and that's where the struggle comes in when they're 13, 14, and 15. Okay, so, okay, so not the, yeah, you, I'm glad you let, I let you finish. So, because I was concerned when you say they should have, and so you're saying that, you know, as we are kind of diving and coming to understand these things, that they're actually seeing better outcomes when children understand it, at in a sense, from five to eight, because I'm, yeah, I'm thinking to myself, why do they have to understand that from five to eight? I'm just, you know, I'm just saying, be honest. Like, I'm like, why do they have to understand it at, at that, you know, at that age, if, if, if that makes sense? But I'm saying, I'm assuming you have information for, that says why they should have to understand it at such a young age. Right. It, it, it alleviates that lack of understanding when they are in the midst of okay. puberty because they okay. already have that basic understanding going into puberty. So when mm. it begins to happen to them, ah, oh, I remember mommy and daddy talked to me about this. This is what's happening to me now. Instead of getting an explanation of what's happening to you while you're caught up in the throes of all the confusion that puberty brings. So why not alleviate some of that confusion by helping them understand the basics of human sexuality. You're not saying, you know, you're not showing them explicit pictures. You're saying that there are people who love different genders. There are people Mm. who love same genders and there are people who love both. And that there are, there's a male, there's a female, there's non-binary. There are all these ways of gender expression and helping them understand that. You're also helping them understand privacy and understanding who, you know, not allowing people to touch you. Having these conversations 
allows our kids to be more well-informed. It also helps them to alleviate that frustration, that confusion that you're talking about at 13 and 14. That no, makes uh, make sense. Queen Sheba, your thoughts? We're going to um, 647, last 3050. We'll get to you out of the, out of the break. Um, I just wanted to completely agree and amen that entire answer. At five years old, we're teaching them how to interact with other children. At five years old, they're in kindergarten. We're teaching them how to play with other children, how to share, how to communicate. And why shouldn't we at that time say it is okay for whatever sexuality you think that you are, for whatever it is, let's just um, teach you about – I love that you use privacy. Let me – Let's teach you about privacy just in case somebody doesn't um, – doesn't, if you're a boy and you want to make friends with a boy in that way and then he doesn't want to, let's teach them that that's okay. They're still a human being. They have their right to um, choose to interact or not. And, it, in, and if we do that then, we could eliminate so much of the gay hate of LGBT bashing of – um, uncomfortability in the workplace, in the schools, we can maybe hopefully alleviate some of the bullying that is centered on um, same-sex relationships. Yes, absolutely. Amen. Hallelujah. I totally agree. Now, perfect time, and we're up against the top of the hour break. I'd like to highlight Square Business Entertainment for being one of our longtime sponsors. We play a little music. This is a talk show. I hope you sit back and enjoy this song, Taylor Pace. Say it ain't so. We'll be right back. There will be a cut coming out of the break to highlight that uh, for you, Latrice, as well as our special guest, Queen Sheba. And we'll come out talking about the cut and get to some of the callers. If you're out there listening online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, 646-787-1691. Again, 050 coming to you out of the break. All I ask is that you think. culture is steadily being inundated with pro-LGBTQ messages. 
Marvel is pushing an on-screen same-sex kiss in a movie out next fall. HGTV has announced it plans to feature a thruple in its House Hunter series. That show will feature a married man and a woman who have two kids and are in a relationship with another woman who lives with them. And then there's AOC. The New York Congresswoman recently pledged allegiance to the drag on RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars show. I'm Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and I pledge allegiance to the drag. Here to set us straight on these cultural influences from the LGBTQ community is George Carneal. Raised by a Southern Baptist minister, Mr. Corneal spent 25 years immersed in the homosexual lifestyle. He is author of the new book, From Queer to Christ, My Journey into the Light. So, George, tell us, why is this onslaught from the LGBTQ community occurring in our culture at this time? It seems they've gone from fighting for societal tolerance to indoctrination, demanding that uh, our culture embrace a minority lifestyle. I think it's going to continue to get worse. I knew when they opened the floodgates, it's never going to be enough really until we look at the bigger picture of what the agenda is really about, and that is silencing Christians and all opposition to this agenda and anything that is pro-family, pro-Christian, pro-life, pro-America. Uh, it's just an agenda that's going to keep going until they can silence everyone. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, OMG, why did Little Nas X kiss a man at the BET Awards? Our special guest is Queen Sheba. Queen Sheba, we'll start with you as you hear, uh, I guess, in a sense, if one side saying, hey, we're marketing, making our money, uh, doing it for reasons, again, just kind of killing the idea of an agenda where you have the other side, in a sense, pushing back and saying, hey, there is an agenda and it's aimed at these things. So when you hear cuts like that, um, you know, what's your thought, Queen? I'll let you open up um, with the response to that. I'm oh, sorry. my God, I was so angry. I was so angry listening to that and, like, anybody who I had, you know, listening in, I was like, oh, my God, if they jumped in that right now, I'm like, I, they probably didn't get the whole – um, scoop of everything we've been talking about for the last hour, but um, there is no agenda. Who said that earlier? Oh, the caller, Bobby. There is no agenda. I am a same-sex loving woman in Atlanta, and my agenda is to be rich and get the bag and to teach young children how to write poetry and to make sure that I'm being effective as a professor at Clark Atlanta University. That's my agenda. My agenda is family. It is a unit. It is cohesiveness. It is integrity in the school systems. It is um, making sure that poets have a basic understanding of how to run a business so that they're not caught up by the large machine. That is my agenda. I have always wanted – I'm an adopted child um, as well. So my my agenda has always been the family unit. And knowing that I want to have a wife that, you know, I last forever with and whatever that forever is, and until we're just – I, I want to adopt children or possibly have children with my wife. So I, that is so alarming and triggering when I hear anybody say that the agenda of the LGBT community is to, is to what did you say, is to um, take down the Christian family? Absolutely not. I don't even think anybody is thinking that. That's what 
our agenda is, and I can't speak for the entire LGBT community, but our agenda is to create family, is to normalize family within the LGBT community. There were a few years ago, there was um, a beautiful, amazing Instagram post that went viral. It was two men. Um, they were getting ready in the uh, bathroom with their daughter. It was nothing inappropriate. It was actually a really beautiful picture. One of them was um, brushing their daughter's hair, and I think the caption was like, just a normal morning getting ready, you know, before work and school. And then um, and Canon picked it up, and they ended up with a commercial, and it was just really awesome because we need uh, visuals like that. We need copy like that that normalizes the LGBTQIA and, uh, of course, their allies and a family because we don't get enough of that. And I think that it's okay. I think – you know, on television we started when in the 90s with Ellen coming out, and that's a white woman. That's still not a person of color. And so we're all the way in 2021, and little we have had a black president. Now we have a black vice president. You know, things are so slow to normalize in America, but we call ourselves the most progressive country. And that's so, oh, that's so, that just makes me over-the-top angry. Like, I was really seeing red when I was listening to that, that clip right there. But I just uh, want to encourage anybody that I just want to encourage anybody that's listening that um, does identify in the LGBTQIA family that having a family is absolutely wonderful and and I I encourage and support that and we're not trying to take down anybody. <laughs> I don't think we have time for that. We're already um, busy fighting our own causes, making sure that we're not harassed in the workplace and at school and walking down the street. So No, I respect that. And, and you mentioned being triggered. Again, I'm going to get to the caller here in a second. Um, so just as I'm listening to you, so what is your response, if you will? So let's say, like, and it makes sense to me, right, that when you hear that cut, it's very triggering. So if I say to you on the flip side, this is not my position because let me throw this out to be real clear on this. So, you know, there's obviously people who even have take issue with, if you will, same same sex parents parents having, you know, raising children. There are people who take issue with that. And I've long said you know, um long understood kind of like Latrice talks about, um child services has long been placing children with same sex parents to, to their to that child's benefit. So that's been happening for a lot of years. So I've said to people, despite what you feel, the data and the reality is this is better for children based you know, it's not it's not like the child services would place someone with to you know, with someone that would be harmed. So I like to kind of bring that part into context, but there are still those when they listen to you and say, hey, we do advocate family, there are those who are triggered by, by and their concept is, well, same-sex can't have children, so what do you mean that you advocate for family? Their, their, their triggering point is, well, that's the problem. You're trying to make that a family, and that's not a nuclear family. So what is your response to someone who's triggered in the opposite listening to you, if that makes sense? Well, my – I, so I, the reason that I mentioned, and I'm sorry if I, I probably didn't make it clear because my mind was going all over the place, um, me being an adopted child, I would rather have had two moms or two dads than be in a youth home, a foster home, lost in the system, or mm-hmm. just abandoned. Those mm-hmm. are two human beings. What if they were, two, what if they were sisters? You understand what I'm saying? Like, what if I was raised by my mom and her aunt and her sister? That's that's my aunt and and, and my mom. 
What is the mm-hmm. difference? It's just two women raising, uh, I'm just using this as an example for anybody that's right. listening in. This is just an example. So what if it was my mom and her sister raising me? What's the difference? It's two human beings that their agenda is making sure that the child is safe, taken care of, well-fed, and protected. That's the agenda yeah. is to raise a healthy human being. So I would rather, I think it's more detrimental for a single family home than anybody could imagine because there's not there's not the extra support there. Let me be very clear again because I know that, that people are listening from all over the place. I think I, I know because it's good, because you want to see yeah yeah right? yeah that's people, where we're living right now. You gotta, you, yeah, of course you don't right. you gotta, you exactly. want to attacking. Let me be very clear. I think it's I think it's very heroic. Very hard to be in a single family home if it's mother or father or uncle or brother or cousin, because especially in the um, community of people, of, we adopt children within our family all the time, officially and unofficially, right? We like, you know, oh, your your uncle, your your father's having some issues, got to go away for a little while, so um, you're gonna you're gonna go to auntie's house, you're gonna go to grandma's house. Mm-hmm. I think that the most important thing is to have people around that support the family union, whatever the dynamic is. That is what is important. So when I was 15 years old, I um, and 15, imagine a 15-year-old. So everybody who's listening, imagine someone that you know that's 15, not 17, not 18, not 21. A 15-year-old is a sophomore in high school. Imagine taking that person and putting them on the street today. Imagine saying you are no longer welcome in this house. That's what happened to me. And I ended up in a youth home at 15 years old after being adopted um, at two and a half. So it was a late adoption. I was only with my adoptive family for 13 years. And this is not a sad story. I want to, what I'm trying to say is, is that as long as there is a supportive unit around the child, no matter what the dynamic is, the child, the people, the children can come out to be safe, happy, healthy, human, successful human beings. And I'm, I'm saying that to say that that is my story. And so I'm a walking testament of, yeah, you can be in a, a, a same-sex family home, and so, and I want to clear this up. I was not raised in a same-sex family home. I was using the example of the adoption mm-hmm. versus right. not having no, somebody no, around. Yeah, so following. yeah. Okay, cool. So I, just, yeah, I would yeah. rather have them said, hey, you're going to go live with your aunt that's gay instead of putting me in a youth home. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, because then there's that trauma of, oh, Oh my God! Like you know, what do I do, and how do I, how do I, how do I maneuver through life? Is human beings need to teach other human beings how to grow up, be happy and healthy and successful? And I would have rather that dynamic than being put back into a a foster care youth home situation. So that's just so it's just mind boggling how other human beings can say, Oh yeah, you want to go you. You, these two human beings over here want to have children. Oh no, they 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 can't adopt children because they're the same sex. That's ridiculous. So you'd so to me, what I would push back and say to those people is: so you would rather leave all these children from the ages of zero to eighteen in a governmental foster care system that may be being neglected and abused, or maybe in a good foster care or governmental system. Um, that is being taken care of by your tax dollars instead of being raised to become scientists and lawyers and 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 presidents and something amazing uh, mechanics business owners you prefer that no that's that's just so insane to me sorry I'm no, got a little no you're angry. Well, I'm not sorry about being angry I'm not yeah I'm not sorry about being angry I'm just 
No, okay. I want you. No, we we actually we have we have two rules here. One is we're not politically correct, and two, bring your passion. <laughs> yeah, good, be respectful good, each other. Good, good. So you're in the perfect space for this dialogue because my, you know, as you continue passionately kept giving your response, what I heard was, in my opinion, is something that some people that make that pushback. Here's the unfortunate reality: a lot of times people don't think out what they kind of right. they kind of decided on their position, and so because they haven't thought out what that looks like, they've never heard what you just said for why it's better versus why it's bad. Mm-hmm. They've already concluded that it can't be a good thing, but never thought about that the alternative is leaving a child in foster care. We are up against the break, so I promise you, 050, I will get to you coming out of the break. So listen to the Mental Dialogue talk show. Well, all I ask is that you think. We'll be right back. If you love black culture and black class, kings and queens, Delisa Designs is presenting the fashion show of the year. The evening will be one to remember, featuring Atlanta's finest dancers, dramas, singers, poets, and last but not least, some of Atlanta's finest designers, including Delisa Designs. Dinner, drinks, and after party will all take place at the beautiful Dawn Event Hall, located at 3201 Atlanta Industrial Parkway, Northwest Atlanta, on Sunday, July 11th at 4 p.m. Tickets and vendor booths are available on eventbrite.com. Search for The Sunrise Fashion Show or contact Delisa at 404-453-5865. Again, that's 404-453-5865. I promise you, you don't want to miss this show. And I'm sure just like you, many gays, George, uh, you at one time uh, viewed Christians as intolerant enemies. So. How should churches and Christians respond then to gay members in their congregations? For me, I really hated Christians. I had such a a, a negative view of them, and I had really been hurt by them because a lot of them give the narrative that God created AIDS to kill the fags. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah to get rid of the homosexuals. You hear all all of the perverted stuff, and then they'll say uh, all fags are going to hell. And this really stole any hope that I had in my own life of trying to to think or believe that God was really an ally, and it was really God slowly immersing me back into the church, but with Christians who truly had the heart of Christ that allowed me a safe place to go and just sit with them. And I wasn't harassed or bullied or mistreated, but it was sitting under the power of the conviction of the Holy Spirit of pastors who had the guts to speak the truth of God's word. And I knew that by the Christians in my own life who were loving and who invested time in me and poured love into me, that really gave me a lot of food for thought. And God started to expose the lies of the LGBT activists, including the liberal theologians who pushed the gay is okay narrative. And after I had to work through the lies and God deprogrammed me of those lies and gave me the healing that I needed, gave me the strength to walk out of that life. The Episcopal Church just ordained its first lesbian bishop, Bonnie Perry, should people who are openly homosexual be in leadership positions in churches? Absolutely not. That goes for heterosexuals who are sleeping outside of marriage or they're living with someone and they're unmarried. No. 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, OMG, why did Little Nas X kiss a man at the BET Awards? As we hear another cut, Latrice, I'm going to start with you. You made reference uh, to your daughter hearing something like some of what you just heard in the church. Um, just your thoughts on, on that cut, if you will. I will offer that in listening to that cut, the I guess the special guest, at least he was I would consider a little more consistent in saying that all of these people that commit these various sins should not be in leadership. And I know of me growing up in the church here in the South, uh, there was definitely a lot of hypocritical stuff, but, uh, you know, I will say that guest seemed not to be as hypocritical as what I've seen, which is, as you said, um, being gay, if you will, was an abomination while we sit in there with, you know, a bunch of us, you know, fornicating and all the other things not even being called out. But, again, just throwing that out. But what are your thoughts on what you just heard, Queen? So the church is probably the biggest hypocrite in the world, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to justify what I just said. So first, my personal experience, I've not made it a secret. I was a teen mom. I was a mom at 16. And when I became pregnant, I couldn't participate in anything in the church. I had to be sat down, as they called it. After my daughter was born, I had to go into the front of the church during church service and apologize for my sins. That was extraordinarily traumatizing for me. Now, that's one, but the the, the young man did not have to do that. I had to do that as the woman who bore the child. So moving on, it's Christians who justify police violence scripturally by using part of Romans 13 that basically says that if you submit yourselves to the governing authority because they have been instituted by God, you won't get, you won't get killed by the police. So they use that to justify what they do. Additionally, white Christians are about 30 percentage points more likely to say that um, Generations of slavery and discrimination, they're more likely to disagree with the statement that generations of slavery and discrimination have contributed conditions, have created conditions that make it difficult for blacks to work their way out of the lower class. They're 30% more likely to disagree with that statement. So using Christianity as proof that LGBT being attracted to the same gender is wrong does nothing for me because I view them as a bunch of hypocrites. They're misogynistic, they're patriarchal, and they're small-minded, and you learn more hate in church than you do love. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Hey, I respect the perspective. That's what we do here. We're open to all perspectives. If you're out there and want to give us your three cents on this morning's discussion, give us a call at 646-787-1691. Again, that number is 646-787-1691. Let's go to 05 Six four seven last three zero five zero. You've been on hold for a while. Give us your three cents on this morning's discussion and tell us where you, your name and where you're calling from as well. Yeah, yeah. So this is Patrick. How you doing? How you doing? Hey, what's oh, up, Patrick? Man. You still in? You still uh, in Canada? It's for now. Yeah. Hey, yeah. you know, I don't know if you heard. Um, we already had a, a, a Leslie out of Canada. Somebody beat you to it, but you know, thanks for spreading the word, brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, 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 yeah. And it was. Yeah, and I could tell. But well, anyway, I'll just leave that alone. Anyway, so. Yeah, so um, I, I don't. I just want to stick to the actual show shows and um, the audiences for award shows 
have been in steep decline for a long time. And they've been in steep decline for probably since the 90s, late 90s. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, people are thinking, is due to just, you know, this advocacy, right? Like advocacy, every, you know, people want to be an advocate and say their piece, whether it's um, environment or politics and that kind of thing. But I think the audience, they, you know, they kind of wanted to tune in to get entertained, right? Like they didn't want to get preached to or anything like that. They're like, I just want to turn into this. But, you know, same way you want to watch football. You don't watch football to get people's political perspective. You watch football for sports, right? You have other outlets to get those other things. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's been it's been a steep decline. Like, for example, the Academy Awards, as an example, was over 50 million people in the late 90s watching. But I think the Academy Awards just had um, – um, what was it? Like two point like five million people that watched recently. Right? The Grammys, same thing. The Emmys, same thing. Steep, steep decline. Um so I, I just think that people are these things, you know, these award shows are used as a platform now, not just and they have been for a long time, not just for entertainment or music or or, or, or film or anything like that. The Golden Globes also has had a steep decline. So they, they've been platforms for people to come out and advocate for one thing or another. Now, you said something about an agenda. Everybody's got an agenda. As a parent, I have an agenda. You know, we all got them, right? The reason why people, I think a lot of people, well, me in particular, I don't watch award shows, right? I just, I just haven't watched them since probably the 90s. But I, people have agendas. And they come up and they say their piece, and that's fine. There's no, there's no problem. They can say what they want. The people who organize these things, they put on the event. They set the tone for what can and cannot be done. Um, and they go for it. But here's the thing. Here's the, the thing with an agenda. You would think that in all these years, there would be a consenting, of view, a consenting view on something. It's just amazing that in all these years, with all of the advocacy and all of the, they've all been along the same line that approves Hollywood, you know, bent, right? Whether it's the environment, whether it's social justice, whether it's sexuality, it's all been one line. There's not been one person that's come out and just said something against that. That, that would make me kind of skeptical that there, I don't know what the agenda is. Because you figure in all, with all these speakers, somebody should say something different than the, the narrative, the original narrative, but nobody does. So, or, no, how about this? Because I, I think you're making a great point. Again, just listen to you dialogue. And so, to a degree, the numbers declining is to a degree a response to it being just one narrative. But the reality is there every now and then, maybe not on the award show itself. But there are every now and then people in Hollywood or entertainers that do say something different than the, in a sense, the consistent message. And right now we're in cancel culture. And so quite often either they're canceled or supposedly canceled, if you will, or, or in a sense, the backlash is understood to the degree where you won't get as many dissenting opinions. And, you know, obviously we love the fact that we can have the dialogue regardless, but I just think you're, you know, making a, a, a strong point there. Uh, I'm, I, 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 
Um, did, did you want to finish up something along those lines? Because I want to get our special guest. Well, well, yeah, that's all. What you're saying. Okay. Yeah, I just want I just wanted to make a clarification. I don't, I'm not saying anything for or against. All mm-hmm. I'm saying is that I think not not I, I don't think people are not watching because they don't agree with it. I think people are not watching because that's when that's not what they're tuning in for. Gotcha. You know, I don't want to hear some, some you know some some some, some white so called liberal up there talking about social justice and black people, and then the first chance they get, they're calling the police on as what happened in New York with Central Park Karen. You see what I mean? So I don't need anybody to preach to me anything. I just, I watch it. I'm supposed to be watching it for entertainment, but it's not, so I just don't, I don't watch. And the, many people are tuning out. So, well, which, makes which sense. is okay, too. Now, Quincy, your thoughts on that, and want to get into your run for the Atlanta Board of Education, if you will, as well. But, yeah, any thoughts to what um, our brother Patrick out of Canada is is, is saying? Um, <laughs> I I agree adjacent. <laughs> so what I mean by agree adjacent is, um, yes, uh, the, award show are, the award shows are supposed to be for entertainment. They're supposed to highlight the artists and and their art. Um, However, this is the adjacent part where I disagree with the caller, is if part of the reason, and we don't know, right, because we're not in Lil Nas X's head, um, if part of the reason he was struggling in the music industry was because he was gay again i'm speculating mm-hmm. and this was his moment to say um and this and he is not going to have a bigger platform than that right he already um the caller already was talking about 50 back in the day who knows now with the internet and everything else right so if this is his biggest platform to say hey being a gay black man is okay it's supported um you're going you're going to be loved and and respected and uplifted then i think if it was a genuine um emotion from Lil Nas X to express this then absolutely but earlier in this and not but and earlier in the show we were discussing about how the machine may be you know pushing the agenda of being um gay and lesbian on on television and you know we already debunked that that it wasn't necessarily a machine these are human beings supporting this supporting this movement i think i think it's appropriate um i think it's appropriate to express yourself um in whichever way that he sees fit and it was not inappropriate he it was a kiss if it was um i don't know like Offset and Cardi B kissing after Offset, I mean, after Offset or Cardi B's performance, we wouldn't think anything of it. We'd be like, oh, they were kissing. That's cool. And we don't, and nowhere in the media did it say, and I haven't uh, seen or heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, if anybody else has, what the relationship was between the dancer and Lil Nas X. That might be his boyfriend. I don't know. I didn't see anywhere that it was or wasn't. So... If that was his boyfriend or a romantic partner at the time, um, then I mean it's absolutely appropriate to to kiss 
in front of millions of people. And sexuality is fluid. I don't think we have a, a right to say when and where that that he he displays his his affection. You know, it's like being out in the uh, basketball game or a football game. It's right. It's like being out in a football game and everybody's like amped up and beer and hats backwards and all the all the heteronormative masculine stereotypes, right? Put all those in there and then all of a sudden um, two gay men kiss and everybody's like, whoa, 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 you can't do that. It's a football game. No, I could do that wherever I want to because I want to kiss my partner because if you were to kiss your wife, then it, nobody would think anything of it. So, yeah, so, we actually have to get the break, Queen. Can, can I keep you on a few more minutes just to make sure we let people know sure, how they can? absolutely, okay, yes. All right, Sue, so who just wanted to check. So let me go to this break. Patrick, I see that you want to get back in. Uh, for everybody out there listening online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, 646-787-1691. You have to press 1 if you want to speak. So if you've just been listening on on the phone, no problem. But if you want to speak, you have to press 1. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Maybe shouldn't be connected. I don't know. But certain dots, like when I see that they put every black man in the movies in a dress at some point in their career, I'll be connecting them. Down. Like, why are all these broken up with a dress? That's happened to me. I'm doing a movie with Martin. Yeah. The movie's going good. So I walk in a trailer. I'm like, man, this must be the wrong trailer because there's a dress in here. <laughs> they come in. The writer comes in. I think he's the writer. He's like, Dave, listen, we got this hilarious scene where Martin's sneaking out of jail, so he disguises you as a prostitute. <laughs> and he put this dress on, and it, huh? What? A prostitute? No, nah, I'm not doing that. I don't feel comfortable with that. That should have been in a discussion. What? You don't feel comfortable with it. I mean, it's a hilarious bit. All the greats have done it. 
oh, well, if all the greats have done it, it's kind of hacky, right? You're right. So why don't we just not do it? Because I don't feel comfortable wearing a dress. Oh, come on, Dave. Listen, we, we got it all set up. We're supposed to shoot. Every, every minute you waste costs this much money. You know, the pressure comes in. Huh. And I'm, now I'm not wearing no dress, man. I'm funnier than a dress. Just give me something funny to say. I don't need to wear no dress to be funny. What am I, Milton Berle? You know, we're going like this. And then finally he's like, ah, and he leaves. And then, like, the director comes, Dave, it really would be great if you wear the dress. What is wrong? What is this, a broke back mountain in here? So, <laughs> so then, <laughs> wear, the, wear the dress. I want to wear the dress. I want to wear this dress. You know what I mean? Oh, gosh, guys, so difficult. They leave. Now the producers comes, come on, David, would be so great. I mean, and then I started thinking about it. All the comics that I've seen, man, the old strong brothers, why, was, why are they putting us in these dresses? But the minute it was clear, I was adamant, I'm not wearing a dress. I'm not wearing the dress. All right, fine. Think of something else. That comes back 10 minutes later. The whole new scene, how, damn, how did you write the scene so fast? You know, it's like, so you got to take a stink. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, OMG, why did Little Nas X kiss a man at the BET Awards? Our special guest is Queen Sheba. She's still hanging on with us. So, Queen, again, I don't know how long I have you, so I want to make sure um, that, you know, we definitely let people know uh, what you're doing and running for the Atlanta School Board. You're a candidate. So let's address that before we get in the cut that we just heard from Dave Chappelle, just to let people know what you're doing and how you can be supported. Let me say this personally. Um, as she mentioned in the very beginning, if you were listening uh, for about an hour now, she mentioned that she is a poet. She's a uh, let me throw this out. She's a Grammy-nominated poet. Uh, Queen Sheba is one of my favorite poets that I've been following pretty much since I've been in, in Atlanta. Um, she is one of the best to do it on that level. So I told her I've been trying to get her on the show for so for actually for a couple of years now. So I'm glad to have you on today, Queen. So let me say that personally to you, how much I adore. Uh, you know, what you do in reference to the things that you highlighted in the beginning, how active you are in training up the next generation, like as you said, to, in a sense, get money in that industry because you are the queen of that. But now you're running to be on the Board of Education, which I applaud you for, I, you know, and glad to hear that you're doing that. Again, I am a big believer in you, Queen. But if you will, tell people what exactly you, you are doing and what they can do to support you. Thank you so much. First of all, thank you so much to you and your entire staff for having me on Mental Dialogue. I follow you on Instagram. Um, your conversations are always interesting and engaging, and um, I'm excited to be here. And I'm, thank you so much for being a fan and, and spreading the word of spoken word. So I've been a spoken word artist for 20 years. Um, this month is my 20-year anniversary doing oh, poetry. Wow. Congratulations. Uh, thank you so much. Yes, it is still my big umbrella. Um, I do everything under the spoken word umbrella and to further the spoken word agenda, if you want to use that. <laughs> so that's our buzzword. So that's our buzzword of yeah, the Yeah, that's my word going forward. That is so the further the spoken word agenda. The spoken word artist, we don't have a career path. There's not like, oh, I'm right. going to be an accountant, then I'm going to be a CPA, and then I'm going to work for a multi-billion dollar company. And it's, it's, mm -hmm. there's no career path. So we 
get to creatively design our own career paths, which is amazing. And I tell people all the time that if you're a writer, you're an analytical thinker, and um, being self-taught and formally taught, I really enjoy teaching poetry. So I'm a professor at Clark Atlanta University, and I also created my own online writing course called College of Dope Ass Writers. So you can follow College of Dope Ass Writers on IG. It actually started in my living room. We outgrew my living room, and we went to a gallery in my neighborhood, and then COVID happened, so now the class is online, and which is really exciting because we get people from all over the place. So if you want help, um, if you want help with any sort of writing, writing, screenwriting, whatever, uh, poetry, fiction, nonfiction, and how to publish a book, I do eight-week segments, and then we take a two-week break, and then we do eight-week segments again. And right now, we're in the master class series. So we're in the summer master class, and you can always drop in. So um, follow Kahala with Dope Ass Writers on IG. And from that platform and from my years of service and policy and producing shows and curating events and traveling around the country and traveling outside of the country, I was approached about a month and a half ago, a little bit before Memorial Day weekend, I was supporting my friend um, Chivy Alfred Brooks, who was running for city council here in Atlanta, and I was at one of his events, and um, a young man there, Andrew Wilson, came up to me and said, hey, um, what do you do for a living? And I just gave him the same breakdown I gave y'all, and he said, well, you sound like you would be a good fit for a candidate for the Atlanta School Board. And I literally, in .02 seconds, summarized my whole life in my head and said, okay. And that was it. And I'm a Leo. And so once I sign on to something, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. I'm going to see it through. I have an amazing um, campaign team. I have Megan DuBose as my campaign manager. I have... um, I have John Jackson as um, my deputy campaign manager, and then I have Alan Smith as my communication coordinator. In addition, now check this out, in addition to a bunch of poets who also hold very important places in my campaign team. I have somebody who do copy that's a poet. My graphic designer is a poet. Um, it is, it's so important to know that spoken word is and spoken word and poetry, if you do well at it, if you harness your craft, if you sharpen your words, if you understand what is happening and, and just practice and, and become self-taught and informally taught if you want to, that you can do absolutely anything. So I tell people all the time, I'm not, a political candidate, I know people say that all the time, right? But I am a poet who has decided to help uh, my community by using the resources provided by the capital, which is Atlanta, Georgia. And so I am running for seat two, district two, which is the west end and flat side of Atlanta, which is where I live. I live off of the southwest belt line, by Tassilis, by Kroger off of Cascade, which is so famous, by the new um, – Monday Night Garage, which people come over and, and, and have drinks and parties. I'm, this, this is my neighborhood, Adair Park, Adair Park 2, uh, down Metropolitan. Um, there's so many colleges over here, Clark, Spelman, Morehouse. The high schools over here are Washington, Mays, and Doug. The middle schools are Brown. I have Kip and Kip. So I have everybody in this district literally from entrepreneurial millionaires to people who work traditional jobs to strippers. And I tell people that because it's the truth. And strippers, all the way to millionaires, people have children that deserve equity in education. They deserve to be protected. They deserve to have books 
They deserve to have um, equitable supplies. They deserve to have heat and air conditioning. The teachers deserve teacher training. They deserve a raise. Of course, we've been saying that since my mother was a teacher. So I'm a (laughs) spoken word artist who is a professor running for um, seat two, district two on the school board. And so you can support me if you would like to either volunteer and please follow Queen Sheba for Atlanta on IG, Queen Sheba for Atlanta on IG. And, of course, if you would like to send a donation, you can do it via Cash App, which does have to be counted and absolutely is a tax-deductible um, donation. And the Cash App is super easy. It's QS for Queen Sheba, the number for ATL. QS for ATL is my Cash App. Thank you so much. No, absolutely. Do you um, do you have time to finish out this last segment, or do we need to let you go, Queen? Just want to be respectful of your time. No, absolutely. I'm staying for this. This is great. All right, super cool, super cool. All right, so we got, I got a couple minutes. So um, I got I got Pastor trying to get back in again. If you're out there listening, you do have to press one if you want to talk. Um, so let's just blow kind of blow through this. So um, Dave Chappelle, I brought that cut because talks about, you know, again, people remember this or whatever. He went to Africa when he kind of shut down and didn't continue the Dave Chappelle show or whatever. But he talks about, which is always the concern when we have this discussion, right, where any idea of LGBTQ community come up or the word agenda is being used, the biggest concern in our community is the emasculation of black men. And you and I, Latrice, I'll let you, if you will, jump in here. You and I have had discussions, and you said, um, while as a, you know, as a diversity inclusion expert, um, you and I have had very honest dialogues, and you say, you know, to a degree, as a black man, you know, you understand from my preview that sometimes maybe I see something that, you know, maybe you, even as an expert and as a woman, may not see. I'm not saying I'm correct, but I, but you understood why I am concerned with it. And so not that what Little Nas X has anything to do with Dave Chappelle, but that's what comes up when we're concerned about the quote-unquote agenda. Uh, we got about a minute and a half before we go to a break, and we'll continue after the break. But just any thoughts on that concern that you said you respect that it may be valid, although from your viewpoint, you don't always, you don't see it as I do. Any thoughts on that, Queen? No, I agree with that. And I'm always open to varying perspectives. When I do research, I, I, I research intentionally what I disagree with so I can make certain that I'm not falling prey to confirmation bias. So having said that, I still disagree with that perspective because sexuality, as Queen Sheba said, is on a spectrum from asexual to homo to hetero to heterosexual. I've never been attracted to women. I've always been attracted to men. So that that's that that it is what it is. You're attracted, you love who you love. As far as the emasculation of black men, you see you see other artists being dressed up as men. But I do get that perspective. But here is where well here is what I would like to say. Where is that perspective coming from? Is it being triggered by your bias? Because we have to wonder why things trigger us. And then I typically when I'm triggered, I begin to dig deeper as to why did that give me such a visceral reaction so that I can then understand where I need to focus, you know, on issues. When I talked about having to apologize in front of the church, I didn't realize for years why that would always get, you know, make me get a catch in my throat when I would talk about it. But then I realized I needed to dig deeper into that trigger. Things on television that trigger me, I have to dig deeper into why. But so often we just stop at that trigger and respond from that lens of being triggered instead of understanding why we are being triggered. 
it's an opportunity to look within when we're triggered, but we're not one taught to do it, so we typically don't do it. And so you're absolutely right. And so a lot of times once we're triggered, we stand on a position, cut off, don't want to hear anymore, cognitive dissonance kicks in. And so we stay in a position that we don't even know why because we have never looked at why am I triggered. Great point. We are up against the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of Intelligent Radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478 781 4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. So she sits me down. We have a nice conversation. She tells me, oh, the sketches are great. I go, oh, fantastic. Well, then why am I here? She said, because, David, there's no way that you can ever say the word. Faggot on our network. I didn't know I did anything wrong. I didn't try to defend myself. I said, all right, fuck it. I'll take it out. Have a good afternoon. And as I was leaving, it occurred to me, hey, hey, Renee, quick question. <laughs> this is a question. I, seriously, I want to know, like, why, why is it, why is it that, that I can say the word nigger with impunity, <laughs> but I can't say the word faggot? And she said, because, David, you are not gay. I said, well, Renee, I'm not a nigger either. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, oh, my God, why did little Nas X kiss the man at the BET Awards, our special guest, Queen Sheba, Atlanta School Board candidate. So please go support her as we just heard her passionate plea for why she gets involved and what her goals and passions are and why she is in the perfect candidate to be on a school board. I've had a couple of, um, actually one of my members um, own different school boards out in Illinois, um, Brent House, just to highlight him and talk about that actual experience of being on the board and what that was like. Um, a great opportunity to get involved um, as Queen Sheba said, in a sense, she's not a politician, and I definitely look at the school board as a way to do it without, in a sense, being associated with the 
the you know the bad name that politicians, if you will, carry now in general in public. They're not all bad, so that's not what I'm saying. It just doesn't not the fa- a favorite word to say. I'm a politician these days. Uh, but getting back on this morning's discussion, as we heard a uh, cut from Dave Chappelle's uh, Sticks and Stones, Tracy, you were actually on I think when we did the actual show about the entire. Um, Stand up, if you will. Some people saw it as a brilliant piece of work. Some people were really upset about, in a sense, the way Dave Chappelle sometimes so brilliantly turns society on 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 its heads, if you will. And so, taking today's discussion and even saying, "Hey, why is nigger okay?" You know, versus uh, this disparaging word, you know, quite often that we pretty much no longer use um, in in, in, uh, today uh, in these times. That word has, in a sense, been pushed away. But as he said. Uh, you know, why can nigger be used? And ultimately, it speaks to now the machine that, if you will, that Queen Sheba um, mentioned. And I do agree with you, Queen Sheba, that at the end of the day, you know, even if, quote, unquote, there is a machine, at the end of the day, there are humans at the hem. However, uh, we definitely talk about even, you know, now moving into, for example, hip hop and how it's permeates our community and the damage that it seemingly does because of the messaging that quite often comes. And, uh, in a sense, our community doesn't seem to have the power, if you will, to get rid of a word. Not that, you know, let's be honest, not that we, uh, I, I mean, I no longer use that word, but I grew up using it as a quote-unquote term of endearment. But ultimately, um, if you ever seen the TED Talk by White Mike who says, why is this okay in mainstream and over, you know, over the air, if you will. And so just distinguishing mainstream versus underground, we see something that when I grew up used to be underground now in the mainstream. So I know there's a lot being, I'm saying a lot there, um, but it's just kind of dialoguing again, how people sometimes scrutinize what's happening in the LGBT community from that same lens of, is this adding to this other agenda to, in a sense, harm the black community. I'm not saying it's valid, it's, but it is the viewpoint that some people put it in. Um, Latrice, you've already kind of addressed it, so I'll get some thoughts from Queen Sheba, and then we'll make sure we get the callers after that. Queen Sheba, are you still with me? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I thought you were going to somebody than me. Yes, I'm absolutely here. Yeah, I was just saying, I'm going to let you give some thoughts on it. A lot of what I was just kind of running down, um, just some thoughts on it, then I'm going to go to the caller. Oh, okay. I apologize. I thought you were going to them first. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> when I was listening to that Dave Chappelle clip, I do remember that stand-up, actually. And um, I'm surprised, actually, you didn't play the Wanda Sykes one, where she addresses that as well. But, of course, we're talking about black men, so maybe that's why you didn't put it in there. But um, she addresses that as well. But I remember this Dave Chappelle stand-up, and I was thinking, uh, yeah, exactly. So why is it that we get to – that it's okay for the machine to push out nigga, to push out um, hypersexuality and nudity and profanity. But when we want to show love and affection between same-sex people, then all of a sudden, oh, my God, that's so inappropriate. It's like it's not inappropriate. Um, I don't think uh, – I'm also a bit of a conspiracy theorist. I do believe <clears throat> that – people who are behind the machine that we don't want to believe is there, is there, of course, our human beings, we talked about that earlier, but I I do like earlier when Patrice was saying that 
we need to watch where our bias comes from. And I remember shaking my head at the phone, like, yeah, is, it, is the bias coming from school? Is it coming from our parents? Is it coming from the social media that we watch? Where's Because we just kind of run with things, right? We, we, we see something on Twitter or TikTok that we agree, and we don't do the research. We don't do the research. We're just like, oh, okay, yeah, I agree with that little truncated statement right there. I'm going to go and run with that. And we have to be no, careful about where our biases come from. No, it makes sense. Let me get to one of these callers. All right, Patrick, I may not get sure. back to you. I mean, not that much time. I'm just letting you know, Patrick. Sorry about that. Uh, area code 404, last three, 274. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and let's get a quick three cents because I got two more callers behind you. Go ahead. Okay. Um, okay, so um, this is Bobby again. Um, I just wanted to um, just quickly, you know, just talk about a, a lot of uh, what's been said. I know I have to be brief, so I'll do that. Uh, first, uh uh, you know, black people, I believe, in general, ought to be very sensitive to systems of control, uh, specifically the ones that um, tend to harm, denigrate, or suppress uh, modes of expression. We, our antennas and our alerts should be up to that, because every time we've been subject to a system of control, it has hurt us drastically. So we should not support or, or promote any systems of control that are out there. That being said, um, you know, life is not a free-for-all where everyone can do anything that they want to do just because they feel like doing it. Um, we are emotionally intelligent beings, and I work with my kids all the time on, you know, before you say or before you do something, consider the context, consider the people that are around. You know, not necessarily just you don't want to offend anyone, but you don't want to subject people to something that you know is going to be um, abhorrent or adversive to them just because you have the freedom to do that. That's not kindness, you know. Um, so you have to be, uh, you know, I feel like it's important to be sensitive uh, to those types of things. Um, so in the, in the case of Nas X, um, you know, kissing another man on stage, as a parent, if I'm sitting with my two sons, I don't, you know, that kind of in a way takes away my choice to, um, to raise them in a certain way, because essentially I don't have time to, okay, hurry up, hurry up, grab the remote, cut the TV off. You don't want them to see that. No, I'm here to hear music. I'm here to, you know, enjoy entertainment, not necessarily be, um, you know, not necessarily for my son to be influenced about something sexual. Um, and, yeah, you know, let me do this. Let me do this. Let me, let me get, let, let me yeah. get, um, yeah, let me let Latrice respond to you real quick so I can get to another caller. But thank you for – that's a brilliant three cents. Thanks for calling in. We, again, appreciate all the perspectives. Um, Latrice, can you give a quick response so I can get to another caller? Sure. Um, entertainment shows are done – you know, we, we know that they're going to be advocacy vehicles. So if we know that, then we should be prepared for that. Additionally, I spoke earlier about preparing our kids at an earlier age for these conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we prescribe to that theory – and when they see these things, it won't be harmful. It won't be confusing to them because we've already had those conversations between earlier ages where they understand that there are people who love same gender, different gender, both genders, or all genders. Mm-hmm. So no, makes that's my no, makes on that. No, it makes sense. I mean, at the end of the day, it shouldn't be that hard to say to, you know, my child, again, I don't have children, so people may try to say that I don't have a right to say this. But, yeah, I can see how it shouldn't be that hard to say, yeah, that happens. Yes, he did it for attention, but yes, that's why he did it. I should be able to explain that to my kids, no problem. So I definitely see what you're saying. It ain't that big of a deal 
to a degree once we put it in the right perspective. Area code 504, last 3756. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. You only have a minute to get this out. Let me know. Okay, uh, Brother Warren calling from New Orleans. I think it's so unfortunate that the black freedom movement has been hijacked and under the total control of the LGBTQ industrial complex and overlapping groups like the Me Too movement. Most of these young black journalists, academics, spokespersons on these mainstream media outlets are under the control. They're getting that money. And so it is so unfortunate. And, yes, there's an emasculation of black men because when you totally control the community, you remove the men off the scene, and everybody else you have, you can get the rest of the community. All right. Thank you for your thoughts. Um, one thing I'll say while I still have you on the air is um, – I think that mass incarceration, just throwing it out, we've had other shows on this, has been the biggest culprit to the removal of men. Um, I, I respect where you can look at some of these other things that says that's adding to it. Um, but I think sometimes in our community, we focus on the things that, if it is true, and the, and the queens on this thing are saying, hey, we're just going vote and applying something to an agenda that has nothing to do with it. And I think that's very fair. I believe, I feel like I've learned that today. But what I'll say to you is just ultimately the things that's been the biggest issue, We, in my opinion, we don't highlight enough. I've never really worried about, quote, unquote, the LGBTQ agenda or marriage, if you will, when I know at the end of the day we don't even have enough families together and married. They, they, in a sense, if, if it is an issue, it's the least of our issues is what I'm going to your thoughts, King. All right, well, one I'll minute keep... to go. Yeah, I'm sorry, brother. We only got a minute to go. Queen Sheba, since you stuck with us, I'll let you give out your information again just in case you got new listeners in the last half hour of how they can stay in contact with you and support your campaign. You were wonderful today. Thank you, Queen. Thank you so much. Um, I just wanted to make a two-second comment. I think that it's jacked up that the Black Power Movement, quote-unquote, kicked me out because I'm gay. I was so involved with the Black Power Movement, and then as soon as I was like, oh, I'm same-sex lover, same-sex loving, they're like, ah, yeah, nah, you can't perform with us anymore. You can't come to our rallies anymore. Not can't. It was like, ah, we, we don't need you anymore. That's ridiculous. Elaine Brown was sleeping with women, and she helped the whole Black Panther Movement while Huey was in jail. So now all of a sudden, uh, y'all don't accept LGBT people in the Black Power Movement? Get out of here. Y'all can't even keep families together long enough. Anyway, so my information, um, my information is um, Queen Chiba for Atlanta. That's my IG. My personal page is the Queen Chiba. I would love your support for seat two, district two, Atlanta. Now, for people that are not in Atlanta, I am legally able able to receive donations from anyone in the world, and I appreciate it as tax, dedu- tax deductible. So if you want to send me a cash app to QS, the number four ATL, you can then um, put in the note that you would like a receipt, and I'm more than happy to send you a receipt back. Thank you so much. Uh, excellent. Thank you, Latrice. And for anybody in Atlanta, I didn't really get to announce it. I'll say it for those that hear the actual um, podcast because we're off the air for the people online right now. Uh, but for those on the podcast, if you're in Atlanta, July 14th, I will be reaching out to your people, Queen Sheba, to see if you're available to come out. We're doing our first live experience since February of last year, Bigger and Better, Atlanta Studio House, Studio, Studio House Atlanta. It is, you've never, 
networking has never been this fun. We do it in a very ingenious way that makes the the networking more organic, but you have a good time doing it. So hopefully I'll see y'all that are in Atlanta, July the 14th. It's a Wednesday night. We're moving from Friday to Wednesday, but look forward to seeing y'all. Thank y'all. Excellent show. See y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.